Welcome to Entrepreneurial Reality with Bash. Every week we'll be speaking to startup and scale-up founders to learn about them, their ambitions for the business, goals and objectives. Every conversation is a moment in time, documenting entrepreneurs' current situation with a view to coming back next year to see how they are getting on. Each journey will be different. Each innovation could be game-changing. I hope you enjoy. Entrepreneurial Reality with Bash, Series 1, Episode 30. And I'm very pleased to have with me the founder of Admix, Samuel Huber. Welcome. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. And so today, for the benefit of the listeners, we're going to be talking all that is around VR and what Admix is. So, Samuel, if you could be so kind as to give us some more detail around what Admix is and does to start with, that would be great. Sure, yeah. So I started Admix about two years ago, based in London in the UK. My background as a content creator, so I used to run a a mobile studio that used to develop games, e-commerce platforms, uh, sometimes for clients, mostly for us, you know, spinning them at separate companies. We had some massive failures. Uh, We had some couple of apps that actually become pretty successful. We sold one of them, which was called uh, Rogue Trader. It was a uh, binary trading game in the app store. And so through that time, I learned a lot about how to create, but also how to monetize this content. And I got really frustrated by the options available at the time, because if you have a mobile app and you want to make money from it, a good way to do it was to install an ad SDK, but you couldn't customize anything. The ads were really annoying, intrusive, you know, pre-roll videos, banners, creating terrible experience. And eventually your users start to get pissed off. And so I've always thought, you know, there must be a better way. There must be a better model or better type of advertising that doesn't do that. And when I got introduced to VR uh, in 2015, I was in this app called Face Your Fears where you're on top of a building and you actually see you know, the whole city from the top. And you can see these big buildings and these billboards that were actually fake billboards populated by the developers. And I kind of had a, an idea in my head, you know, we could actually fill that with real ads because it would just look more real and it would create a great experience and everyone would win. Um, and so that's kind of the, 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 the genesis of the idea. And so today, our, this hasn't changed. Our mission is to empower developers to be successful we think that a lot of VR, AR content in the future is going to have to be free, just like most mobile apps migrate from paid apps to free apps. And therefore, the developers would need another business model. They won't be able to necessarily sell their content at all times, right? It will still work for premium uh, developers for sure. But the long tail, the 95% of the content, people expect it for free. So you need to find other way to make money. And advertising is an obvious business model for this. So this is basically what we're building. We are taking what currently works for advertising and changing what currently doesn't work. So all the you know, intrusivity, the fact that it's, it's, it's super intrusive, it's really annoying, um, you have so many ads, it captures your personal data, all of that stuff, we're removing it and we're creating a better future for advertising. So our model is about product placement. It's about finding ways finding areas in the um, immersive content to place brands in a way that doesn't intrude, that doesn't interrupt. 
So you can think of the first example is a, a banner on a wall in a billboard in the street, right? Or it could be a product, a 3D product, like a, a can of Coke on a table is the example I always give. Or, you know, a car that is standing there could actually be a model of a real car. So it's, it's really about trying to bring advertising as back into the creative process to help developers generate more revenue. And every time someone sees these branded products, of course, the publisher generates revenue. So that's what AdMix does. Uh, we currently work with close to 100 developers, mostly VR, some of them AR, uh, some normal games as well. We have a team of uh, over 20 people now, uh, based across London and, and San Francisco. Uh, and we recently raised $2.4 million from top VCs to uh, kind of take the company to the next level and, and really um, you know, be, become first on the market in building this new business model for immersive tech. Uh, a term phrased on some of the content on your website uh, about being like the Google ads for VR. And so to, to actually be first to market, the potential is massive. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. So, you know, we, we looked at the past and, you know, desktop computer happened. There was obviously, you know, software was a way to, to generate revenue, but for the indie developer, there was no, no real way to get involved until the internet happened. Everyone could create their own website and Google came in and they monetized that. They enabled developers to place ads on their websites to generate revenue from it and therefore reinvest that in creating more awesome website, more awesome content. So it's really an enabler, uh, kind of a catalyst to help the industry grow faster because you need money in this industry for the creators to keep creating. And again, you know, that happened again on mobile. AdMob was first on the market, Google bought them. Social, right? Facebook ended up finding a way to monetize social. So every time there's a new platform, uh, a new kind of media, um, there's massive opportunities in trying to monetize it, helping creators get revenue from this content. And we think that's gonna be the same for VR and AR. And very, very few people are actually paying attention to that right now, which is where our opportunity is. Hmm. I, I've seen in a recent press release that there was 11% uh, of the population of the US already own uh, VR hardware or products, uh, which Impressive. is quite a, a, a big, big yeah, yeah. number of people already uh, accessing or using that technology yeah. and platform. And probably 90% own an AR device. And by that, I mean, obviously, their smartphone. Uh, which, you know, is not as talked about uh, simply because the use case for AR is, is not as, um, I would say, obvious at the moment, uh, but it's still there. And, you know, if you have an iPhone, if you have an Android phone, you can actually enjoy AR experiences. Are they real AR? Are they as powerful as a wearable? No, of course, but it's still, you know, kind of a first step towards uh, this spatial computing world where content and reality are going to become one and they're all going to be mixed. And I think that's really, really exciting. And a lot of people are downplaying that opportunity, uh, but it's, it's going to grow a lot quicker than most people think. Hmm. We'll go there right now, actually. What is your ambition then for the next 12 months? For us as a business? Yes. Um, yeah. So, I mean, you know, we went through that seed round last year, uh, actually less than six months ago. Uh, and since then, the, the growth that we had has been pretty incredible, uh, mostly in terms of inventory available, which is the total number of basically apps uh, that work with us. Uh, you know, we went from 
couple million uh, ads ad requests per month to a couple hundred million. So it, it really increased very, very quickly. Um, so for us, the next step is going to be to keep on building that and expanding into more territories. Uh, we're currently mostly active UK, US. Uh, and even then, we don't have you know, enough people on the ground to actually capture that opportunity. There's a lot of missed opportunities that we identified that we can, uh, we can be better at. So, you know, that will include uh, further fundraising and just basically replicate this successful model that we've had here in London to many, many key areas where we think that VR and AR is taking off. And, you know, it's obviously the US, but there's a lot of stuff happening, you know, China, Japan, there's, there's a lot of hubs where, where we need to be present. And so that's going to be one of our major objectives for the year. And the other thing is, you know, we're very focused on building this community of creators because we think that's how we actually get to, you know, build trust with the ecosystem and show that, you know, we really want to help them. Advertising can sometimes have a bad name and we really want to, you know, work hard to, to go away from that. So we've built our VR AR pioneers community so far on Facebook. Uh, 7,000 members. Most of them are early developers of VR, AR worlds, and we want to keep growing that to 100,000. And so, you know, we, we're expanding into different channels. And uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's actually the, the most exciting part is to see that community of people really passionate about creating great content that are all coming together, helping each other and uh, leveraging our resources. What I found is really successful of the internet is to do with the consistency. It's the code that is required to present the website. Then if you start to diversify in terms of code and knowledge, you start to split out that community over time. And therefore, uh, progression in one versus the other can hinder progress. Uh, mm -hmm. So what I'm getting at here is uh, there will be, I see a number of VR platforms yeah. being built. Is there any continuity? Uh, help me understand that. Is there continuity in terms of coding and in terms of a language or, or presentation of those worlds where they can fit together or, or do you just they're a room and you step out and then you go back into another vr room how, how does that work right right that's um, that's interesting uh because it's actually you, you're right that actually the experiences today are, are pretty fragmented uh you know you play a vr game and then that's it you go back to the lobby uh, and you select another vr game and you keep playing that way so it's effectively i like to compare it with the internet before the web. Um, you know, the internet has been around since the 70s. It used to be some kind of servers that were not easily accessible, mostly to share files between universities. And then the web came along and created an interface for that structure that already existed. And I think one of the biggest breakthrough was the hyperlink that enabled you to go basically to jump from one server to another server. If you, if you, think, if you mm -hmm. can think about it this way. And, and that's what is missing today in VR. Um, you know, you can't just simply go from one app to another. They kind of siloed. There's no deep linking between these apps. Um, and I think you're right that to enable discovery and help people discover more, more content and, and basically increase traffic across those properties, we need to open borders between apps. And this is what they call, you know, the metaverse. We've actually created a, a pilot of this between two apps, High Fidelity, which is one of the uh, biggest uh, social VR app and Somnium Space. And the idea is to create a portal. So it's not a simply a link, but it's actually a door and you walk through that door and eventually, you know, you end up walking through a tunnel and that tunnel leads you to another app. So it's kind of like, that was kind of our artistic view of a, a, a hyperlink in virtual reality. But, you know, beyond the gimmick, I think this is really important to, like I said, enable people to 
actually discover apps because we found that a lot of people are just using a bunch of apps, but they don't actually travel around. So by opening borders, you would actually get more traffic across all apps, which would just increase discovery. And I think one of the things that people that work on, you know, web VR, web XR, which is how do you actually deploy those technologies on the web are really, really excited about because you can leverage the web infrastructure to, to travel between different apps. Amazing. And then as you're traversing between different apps, there's opportunity for advertisement there as well, I'm assuming. Yeah, so we haven't actually implemented that yet in that specific use case, but that was obviously the idea. It's, you know, the, the travel between A and B can be sponsored by Starbucks and you actually walk into a Starbucks. So you could imagine like almost like a third experience in the middle that doesn't destroy or interrupt any of the source or destination experience because it's in the, in the middle. But while you wait, because the app needs to be downloaded or needs to be loaded, you can enjoy like a, a different type of experience where you know, it could be super engaging and you could have to play with stuff. So yeah, it, it, was, a, it was just a, a, like a, a prototype of what we think the future of experiential marketing could be. And that could be by traveling between different properties. Congratulations on your fundraise. Thank you. And within the last year. Could you tell us a little bit more about your experiences of fundraising? How did you go about doing it? Did you find it quite easy in comparison to previous projects? Uh, no. <laughs> no is the short answer. Um, we've probably talked to maybe 60, 70 investors uh, you know, before we actually got a yes uh, for different reasons. I think initially wanted to go out was... Uh, Q3 2017, which I think was actually the worst quarter ever for investment in VR. Uh, investment in VR AR in Q3 2017 were all-time low since 2015. And you know, investors, especially institutional, they care a lot about trends. So if they start seeing this, uh, it's just going to be kind of a downward spiral where the, you know it's negative reinforcement, less and less actually get to uh, to invest. Knowing that, we kind of decided to wait a little bit before the market was more uh, positive. Uh, in 2018, by Q2, it started to be some pretty good news around adoption of AR kit, uh, new devices, Magic Leap coming up. And even though these actually don't increase the adoption much, it's just really good signs for investors to say, you know, the space actually is, is alive again. So uh, waiting for the timing, get the timing right was you know, would be the advice that I would, I would give someone. And obviously it can make massive changes to your business because you, you, you do need to have the runway to be able to, um, you know, to, to leave until the, the market's right. So um, one way we did that was by bringing on angel investors in the meantime, kind of to extend our runway a little bit. And so we were actually able to, to make that work in the end. Another thing I would say is initially our value proposition was probably not obvious and was not big enough. Uh, we were talking about advertising in VR and you know, advertising also has a pretty bad name. Uh, there hasn't been a big ad tech success in a long time. Again, investors care a lot about benchmarks and the first thing you tell them, that's how they see the company. So you know, going out of that positioning was, was really hard, but eventually we figured it out and now we're talking about monetizing spatial computing, right? That's the big vision. It's what Google did on the two-dimensional screen on the internet we want to do on the spatial, uh, spatial world. So, you know, VR, AR, other spatial computing technologies today do not have a proper business model really at scale. And this is what we want to create. So 
you know, it's about making it obvious, but also making it big so that it's not just working as an agency on the side, but it's really trying to build something that is going to, to change the market. This would be our, um, my advice to uh, someone looking for funding. Mm, thank you. And you mentioned about the advertising being or having a bad name at times and how intrusive it can be perceived by consumers. Uh, especially when they've got so much data on you and your activities yeah. and presenting ads that are very focused. How are you going to go about doing that uh, without impacting on the experience? You mentioned, of course, it's not intrusive. It's part of the environment. It's just part of what you see. But how do you present uh, ads that are relevant to me as the individual user? Yes, yeah, so it is a combination of different things. Uh, the first thing we're doing is giving the content creator, so the app creator, a lot of control over their experience. And, you know, that's what I mentioned initially. I was very frustrated as a developer that I don't have much control uh, over, over the experience on the web or on mobile. So we have a platform from where you can actually kind of filter advertisers that you want. Um, so, you know, if you're building an app that is, I don't know, taking place in a stadium because it's a baseball app, then and you put ads you know around the field right in a super native way you can also say actually this app is about sports i want ads to be sports related basically it's about contextual targeting it's about understanding what the content is and then targeting ads based on that more than knowing that you know you ben is going to enter enter this app and we already know that you like X and X because we've been following you around and we know what you have in your Amazon cart. That's not what we're all about. It's more about, it's more about context. It's knowing that if you come and visit this baseball app in VR, you probably have an interest in sports and therefore we'll advertise about that. So we really think that contextual targeting is going to be more and more important, especially in VR because the context is so important, right? You, you immerse into this experience. So, um, you know, everything that happens around you can be used as, a, as an indicator that you would be interested in that. In terms of your experiences to date, uh, you, uh, have you got any lessons that you can share with the listener outside of the funding? Yeah, I think one of the big thing that, um, you know, if I look back on my entrepreneurial journey, which is about now five years, uh, a bit more, um, I think initially I was probably too focused on the product. And what I mean by that is, you know, I had ideas about, you know, a specific app, for example, or even our biggest success, which was this um, binary trading game. You know, at the end of the day, it was just a game and it was pretty niche and it worked well within this niche, but it never had the potential to be, you know, uh, a massive business, a massive opportunity. And so and there's nothing wrong with that, of course, but, um, you know, now I'm really trying to really focus all my effort and energy on things that can really be massive because actually the effort of building a small app that targets a niche market or, you know, the building something that has the potential to be massive and really impact uh, the whole world or the whole, uh, whole industry is not that different. You know, you pour all your time and energy into things anyway. Uh, you walk around the clock and, you know, you invest your time and money into these things. So I guess the advice at a high level would be try to focus on things that have high impact um, because that's where, you know, you don't want to cap your um, potential reward, basically. And I think it's, it's super, I'm not only talking about financial, it's just really, really um, empowering to see that, you know, you can help an entire industry 
We're helping at the moment hundreds of developers, you know, monetize, make money from their content. People who would not generate much revenue that are now making thirty, forty thousand dollars a month. You know, that's like that's that's really what what I live for. It's it's really about helping that community, and I think that's only possible if you really dream big and focus on things that have the potential to be big. Hmm. And the communities that you're building from a development standpoint, uh, which particular platforms are they using predominantly? Which, which, so understanding the trends, which ones are the most popular? Uh, so the community itself lives on, mostly on Facebook. At the moment, it's a Facebook group called VR AR Pioneers. And there we share uh, resources to help developers build um, apps, VR, AR apps. So, you know, we, we talk about Unity, of course, we run the major platforms, uh, Unreal is another one, but mostly we, um, in terms of targeting the, the platform, we, we, we let them the, the ability to choose that. Our niche is more about how to market, how to fundraise, how to become, how to go from a great product, because most of these guys in our community have amazing tech skills, but they might be lacking more like um, marketing skills or how to promote it. You know, you have so many uh, teams that have these great products that they just don't know how to bring it to market. And that's where we think that we can help bring it to market. And then, of course, in the future, monetize it. And you also uh, invested in or acquired uh, a media company. Is that yep. right? PRFocus.com. Yeah, that's right. So you you, not only are you complimenting on the, the building out of the infrastructure of VR, the ability to provide an income to the developers of such great uh, products and content, but you're also promoting the industry through the investment in the media outlets that provides up to the minute information on the developments of VR as well and AR. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So VR Focus is in the top uh, two or three, you know, news websites for VR and AR. Um, um, yeah. And the, the idea with, with, with those guys is we, we actually, the, the big vision of Admix is not just simply becoming, you know, a, a monetization company, a monetization tool. It's really empowering VR, AR developers to be successful. That's actually written on the wall in the office. And so that, of course, monetization is important, but that's only one part of the journey that a developer would go when they have an idea and then they need to put together a team and then they need to raise funding and then they need to build a prototype, then they need to test it. You know, there's so many steps in the development process and we want to be able to help at every single one of those steps. So of course, right now, you know, we early uh, about, we only 20 people, uh, we need to stay focused, but we wanted to prove that we can actually help at different levels. And I think VR Focus, which was actually an opportunity that came up and was, was really amazing for us to strengthen our ecosystem is, was really the first acquisition that we've made uh, but that's, you know, that really shows what, what our strategy is about. And the idea is like now, you know, when uh, uh, you know, we work with great developers, of course, with Admix, but the best ones, you know, we can also feature them on VR Focus. It's a different team, of course. Uh, there's no guarantees. It's, it's two different businesses that work completely separate. But I think it's, uh, it's, it's really a value added for, for developers to know that, um, you know, they can be also featured there. And it's, it's great to be able to showcase what uh, these developers are doing to the rest of the world. There are other platforms out there, other content producers within the world of VR. Uh, Star Amber is another one I came across recently, mm -hmm. uh, invested by uh, Paris Hilton. What's your opinion of them? Because they're coming out with uh, an initial token offering, which is effectively a currency to use 
within the yeah. environment that they're building and there's some monetization there would you see them as a competitor or a potential partner uh, more of a potential partner i mean they um i've actually i came across them i came across other platforms like high fidelity who also has their own currency uh decentraland of course would got funded by an ico a few years ago and i think it's it's great this is really what what we're trying to do at some level it's, it's creating an economy or this new media and this is what these guys are doing by injecting these currencies within the virtual world but again you know not everyone is going to spend money, right? That's where advertising comes in. Advertising is about monetizing the long tail, which is actually very long. It's about 95, 96% of users who do not spend money for content. Uh, even microtransactions or in-app purchase, this is a massive business model, but it's only two or 3% of the users that actually end up doing that. So advertising is a complementary business model that ends up monetizing the users who do not want to spend money. So, you know, we definitely see them. We, we're talking to all these platforms. We have a, a beta solution with High Fidelity as well. You know, it's great for them and for their community to be able to generate revenue from ads. The most exciting part is that the revenue is not coming directly to, in, in our case, right, if we were to partner with Staramba, they would probably give a big share of the revenue to their users. So it wouldn't be for them. It would be for the users who are creating these virtual worlds. If they're popular, they can put ads in it in their virtual houses and actually generate real income from that. And so that really shows you the power of virtual estates, as I like to call it. It's, you know, real estate, owning a plot of land is, is obviously valuable, but so is owning a plot of land in a virtual world if there are people coming through it. And I think that is going to be a big opportunity over the next few years where more and more people are going to buy this virtual land, invest in virtual properties, uh, which would become super valuable if they are, uh, if they are popular because they can be monetized. That is very, very interesting indeed. The concept itself, it's moving along the lines of the uh, movie Steven Spielberg, the director. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And actually the, the prototype I mentioned that this uh, link to connect uh, to a different world is, we named it the Oasis, which is the name of the virtual world in Ready Player One. So uh, yeah, we're super familiar with it and it's a, it's a big inspiration for a lot of things that we do. I appreciate that the movie isn't as good as the book, but it does give uh, some good insight into where VR is going and how it could impact the world, really, and how we engage with each other. Yep. And collaborate and communicate. So in addition to understanding you as an entrepreneur, the organization, the project that you're working on, Admex. Uh, could you tell us a little bit more about the inspirations you've had? You, you mentioned Ready Player One, the content there is, is sort of uh, influencing you to a certain degree. Uh, are there any other books that you've read along your journey to date that has influenced you as an entrepreneur? Uh, there was not necessarily around VR and AR specifically, uh, but I like to read um either biographies of you know people who are successful in the space or others or um or more uh, world to understand um psychology and, and behavior um i can of course you know think of a few one of them is called uh decoded and this is all about why we buy what we buy um you know it's 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 kind of a, a silly question to ask but actually uh, the author is really um 
try to investigate why we make purchase decisions and really try to kind of normalize every purchase, whether you buy a car or whether you buy, I don't know, a phone or a pen. Uh, at the end of the day, it's kind of the same thought process that happens inside your brain. And uh, that's really interesting, I think, as a, as a marketer or, uh, you know, if you're running an e-commerce website or anything, if you're a salesperson, knowing that is, uh, is really, 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 really exciting. Um, and so that, that's one of my top books. Um, another book is called Outliers. And it basically uh, talk about outliers, of course, and, uh, you know, kind of summarize why some people are successful, why some other are not, uh, again, based on, based on data. What do you do to get clear headspace? So it's a very busy world, an entrepreneur, you, you're running um, multiple projects with different teams of people to uh, heading in the same direction. And you're mind is full of uh, questions and making decisions very quickly how, how do you get away from that madding crowd um that's a good question i don't i don't really get away from it um i'm just kind of thriving in this environment to be honest that's that's what i like um there, there, of course there are times where you know there's a lot happening and um you know in the evening even if i'm Thinking about business, it's it's a different environment. I like to um, I like to uh, to be able to to you know like you said get a get a clear head and and think about it um, maybe after. But I do not you know do anything specific to to get away from it. Um, in fact, quite quite the opposite at the moment. I think you know when you're building something really exciting, there's obviously a lot of setbacks as well. And on a day-to-day basis, it may look like everything is falling apart and everything's going the wrong way. But if you look at the progression on a week by week and even month by month basis, and you see the progress, um, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's really encouraging. And I think, um, you know, I'm not looking forward to, uh, to, to stop now for sure. So um, for me, it's more about managing the team properly and making sure everyone's aligned and motivated um, so that I can also make my, my own decisions. Uh, in the world of entrepreneurship, you mentioned a number of autobiographies that you've read before. Uh, is there any particular individual that stands out f- for you that you'd say what they've done, how they've created a, a new industry? Yeah, it is. I mean, there are a few. There, the you know the the obvious ones. Um, you know what Bill Gates did so earlier than than most people, and having a company that is you know, still around and part of the top five, I think was, was amazing. The kind of grip that he had, the understanding that he had on the software industry back in the mid seventies um, was, you know, amazing. And the lead that Microsoft had until the nineties was, was, was incredible. Um, you know, there, there, there are a lot of examples. I mean, I admire um, obviously Elon Musk's courage and, you know, really putting his money where his mouth is after he made all this money through PayPal and really reinvesting until the last cent. It's like, that's, you know, that's a man that really believes what he's doing uh, and is not here, you know, for the lifestyle It is all about the idea and making it happen. And I really like the quote saying that, you know, um, even if things have a very, very low probability of succeeding, sometimes they are worth trying anyway uh, because they could have such a big impact. And I think, you know, that's, uh, that's pure entrepreneurship right there. The time's flying, by the way. We've covered off a lot of ground in such a short space of time. Right. Uh, it, fast. Yes. Uh, is, there, is there anything in particular that you 
would like to to cover off any sort of messages um any stories that you'd like to share uh, with the audience uh, i mean I'd, you know i'd like to uh just bring up the community that we're building which is obviously completely completely free we just give out resources so if anyone has interest in vr ar more the commercial side and how to turn a cool project into a business uh find ways to get customers you know in vr users monetize it uh, i'd love to uh you know help, help you guys and uh just join the community on facebook it's called vr ar pioneers and it's a facebook group that you can request membership on and th this information will be part of the the links in uh, the the publication I, I push out across all social media platforms so great um, yeah there we go and there's only one more question that i ask and that is uh, over the course of the next five years or so we hopefully you will come back next year to to share on on your experiences and then again understand what your plans are for the next 12 months is what would you do differently knowing what you know now like i said i mean you know focusing on things that have the biggest impact i think uh is like i mentioned before is definitely something that uh, i'm really trying to ask myself you know am i working on the right thing it's it's what you said right everything is crowded there's a lot of a uh, lot of demand uh for my time and so i'm really trying to prioritize everything i think by doing that constantly and constantly second guessing what you're doing and making sure you have the biggest impact that you can potentially have um, is, is definitely something that, uh, you know, I've been learning over the past few years and, uh, and still learning, of course, and uh, trying to enforce every day. Great. Fantastic, Samuel. Thank you. So Admix, one of the hottest VR tech companies out there today. Uh, check them out. Check out the community. And yes, Samuel, thank you so much for your time. And look You're welcome. To, it was great. To catching up next year to see how you're progressing. Awesome. Looking forward to it. Thanks, Ben. So what do you think? We'll have another interesting story to dive into next week. Looking forward to it already. Some questions to you in the meantime. What is your story? What is your reality right now? And what are you working towards? Let me know. So you can connect with me on Twitter. Just type in Bash in the search and you'll find me. So Bash, B-A-S-H. Easy. On Instagram, it's Bash Reality. So that's Bash underscore reality. And on LinkedIn, Benjamin Ashmore. Make sure you subscribe and until next week, cheers.